This is Conservation Sound, talking to broadcaster, conservationist and author Mary Colwell. I walked into conflict, I walked into joy, I walked through landscapes where you should have been singing, there was silence. The silence and the sounds of this episode are indeed all somehow tied up with one plump, long-beaked bird. It's a bit like um, adding seasoning to a dish, you know, that it can suddenly bring highlights or lowlights to a landscape. The sound enhances the landscape, it, it, it changes it. it, it makes it more than it is on its own. And I think that's the sound of birds does that in many situations, but the call of the curlew over a marsh or a moor or a peat bog or an estuary is somehow like sprinkling stardust onto it. And who isn't affected by stardust? It slips into our consciousness. They've inspired some of the greatest writers and poets. I find it fascinating that curlews moved down from the uplands and spread throughout the lowlands of UK and Ireland in the 20th century. And that's when they became very much embroiled in our literature because they sort of entered the places where poets and writers live, if you like. And they may not really have come across them otherwise, but I find that fascinating. Guilty as charged, I guess. I don't know if you ever watched a curlew on its nest, but they talk to their chicks and the eggs all the time. And they make these clacking noises with their bills and soft little hoots and things. And the chicks respond. It's really fascinating. And then when they break out of their eggs, these little curlews make the sweetest little curly sounds. It's absolutely delightful. It's something to do, I'm sure, with the shape. It's got this wonderful sort of round shape, hasn't it? The long curved bill, which is very sculptural. They're sort of rounded and smooth and and a round curlew that you often see in a very planar landscape. Like an estuary or a marsh. The two things together just sort of set my imagination going. So they look lovely. And they have this wonderful long bill. Uh, But it's when they open their bill and start calling that, oh, everything fires off, doesn't it? So you have a range of calls. And I think um, 14 or 15 have been identified so far. But the most famous ones are the the sound from which the curlew gets its name, the curly sound. It's curly. It's like an arrow that fires across a wetland. Or in the, uh, particularly at the mating season, they sing this wonderful trilling, rising, bubbling sound, which they call as they rise into the air. (laughs) 
and it's absolutely magical. It's like tumbling notes down from the clouds. It's, it's lovely. I talked to a lady from northern Germany and she spoke the old northern German Plattendeutsch. She said there, she remembers them very well, she said, when they were children, they were everywhere around the wetlands of northern Germany. And they call them Wassertuten, the water flutes, which I think is such a lovely description. But I think they're very particularly a Western European bird, I think. I think we... We really engage with them. There's two things I'd like to say. One, probably from a British and Irish perspective, they do tend to live in these very grey, grey-green landscapes. And I remember G.K. Chesterton being challenged about his love of the colour grey. And he said, but you've got to spend time watching it, he said, because the sunshine and the clouds and the rain, they bring out different characteristics of this colour grey. They're, they're like shifting palettes of colour. And he said, and to see the charm, he, he described it by watching an English village on a rainy day and then the sun coming out. And he said, you'll see how the colour shifts as the atmosphere and as the weather changes. And that's what happened to curlews. You've got to spend time with them to truly love them. You can't just sort of blast them into someone's life and say, aren't they marvellous, and they never see them again. You have to spend time with curlews. But then to know them is to love them, I think. And so much so that in certain places, say for example in Wales, there are 40 different names for curlews in the Welsh language. 40. So they meant a lot to people over all the country and they, each area, each region, each, almost each village gave them their own name. And they mean a lot to Mary too, giving the name to her production company. And she in turn has given them a day. Well, Curlew Day is uh, April the 21st, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, one is it's the average first laying date for curlews in Western Europe. And secondly, it is the feast day of a little-known saint who was, I think, the world's first curlew conservationist. St Baino lived in the 6th century and he lived in West Wales, right over on the very edge. And he was renowned as being a great preacher. And uh, he was setting sail from the coast of the Lynn Peninsula over towards Anglesey, a stretch of water there. And it was quite a rough and stormy day as he was sailing over to Anglesey. And St Baino accidentally dropped his book of sermons into the water and all his sermons that he'd written out began to sink beneath the waves. And then legend has it that a curlew flew out from the coast, flew over the boat, went down into the water, picked up the prayer book and took it back to the shore to dry. And St Baino was so grateful to the curlew, he blessed it and said, may you be forever protected. 
Bano, Bano, bum, 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 girl, you come and it dry my book. And I think that's a very lovely reason to have World Curlew Day on April the 21st, as well as a biological reason, it's when the breeding season's really kicking off. Out of eight species of curlew in the world, two have already gone extinct, or at least they haven't been seen for decades. And another three species, the Eurasian, the Slenderbilled and the Bristlethide curlew, are all in some degree of uh, endangerment. And they're all on the red list. So curlews worldwide are in real trouble. They, they, they live in places that are being degraded. They're hunted in some places. Predation pressure is really, really high on them lots of human disturbance, so curlews are finding it hard to find their own little niche in today's very busy world where we want all the land for ourselves. And that's the point of World Curlew Day. Let's give them a bit of profile, talk about what we can do to give them the space they need. And talk about those spaces and look for them and listen for them. Mary has done that. And then some. She's got a book coming out. Fortuitously, on April the 19th, two days before World Curly Day, <laughs> no planning there at all, um, my book on uh, called Curly Moon is being published. Curly Moon documents a 500-mile walk I did from the west coast of Ireland, right through Ireland, right through Wales, right through England, and I ended up at the east coast of England about six weeks later from when I set off. And the idea of the walk was to walk through curlew country, to walk through the landscapes where curlews used to be really common but have now gone, also through the places where they do still exist and are doing all right. I walked into conflict, I walked into joy, I walked through landscapes where curlews should have been singing, there was silence. I walked through landscapes where there were loads of curlews, loads and loads of them. It was like curlew panorama, but that was on a grouse moor, full of conflict and tension. And so the 500-mile journey was me trying to understand the place of curlews in British and Irish culture but also the pressures that are edging them ever closer to extinction. That's Mary Caldwell. Find out more on curlumedia.com. The book Curlew Moon is out later in April 2018. I have it on order. The great curlew sounds that you heard earlier in the episode come from Patrick Auberg, who shared the recording on this website is a fabulous project called Xenocanto, xeno-cinto.org. Many thanks to Mary Caldwell for what she's done and for joining in on Conservation Sound. If you'd like to share this episode, it's on conservationsound.wordpress.com. It's also on SoundCloud 
and I tweet at Connor Walsh.